what you eat definitely needs to shift at different times. And so what works for one person might not work for another. And what works for that one person at one time might not work for that same person five years later. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey guys, it's Jamie here. So we are so excited for our guest today, Carrie Glassman, MSRD, CDM, and an NYC mama of two, renowned celebrity nutritionist with two decades of experience, healthy cooking expert, four-time best-selling author, and wellness thought leader. Just a couple things, Carrie. You're just a couple things. <laughs> She's the founder and the CEO of Nutritious Life and the Nutritious Life Studio, where both Heidi and I have our certifications and George too. My hubby George did his certification, Nutritious Life. So we are both Nutritious Life certified. Carrie is a Today Show tastemaker and a contributing editor and advisory board member for Women's Health Magazine. She's also regularly featured on national television programs like Good Morning America, Access Hollywood, The Rachel Ray Show, and more. Carrie's approach to providing accessible, science-backed, healthy living advice that extends beyond food and diet steers millions of people towards well-rounded wellness strategies that work for them. We are so thrilled to have you with us today, Carrie. Thank you for being here. I am so excited to chat with all of you. Seriously, I was looking forward to this all day. I'm so excited to talk with all of you. Yay! Yay. We're excited to talk to you. Yes, before we jump into our topic, we do a little weekly catch-up. This is Christine here, Um, and we just chat about things that are on our mind or if there's something pressing that we want to chat about right here in the news, but I've been hearing a lot about these crazy fad diets and people trying to lose their COVID-19 um, from all the junk food eating, I guess, or whatever, you know, they're doing extra baking. Home. Yes. Extra baking. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I overheard these women. I was walking yesterday and I overheard a group of women saying, oh, you know, I had so much cheese and wine and um, dessert this weekend. I'm just not going to really eat a lot this week. And I thought to myself, I've always felt that Whenever you trick your body or you try to skimp on things, it just kind of backfires. And I feel like just kind of keep it balanced. And if you stumble a little bit and you have too much of something, too too many sweets, just you know, pick up where you left off and kind of try to go along with the flow in a healthy way rather than depriving yourself of nutrients. But I don't know. That's just me. I don't know. Have you guys heard of people doing crazy fads or exercising to lose the weight? Yeah. I mean, this is Jamie. And I just have to always say, like, I love you, Christine, because you were so, you're just, like, I love the way that your brain works because it's how I always wished my brain would work. Like, no, really? Like, you know, I mean, I just don't understand. Like, just if you have a little too much, then just get back and check and just kind of keep eating like healthy foods and then you'll just feel great. And like, I really do believe that you your body and your brain operate from that place. And God bless you for that because it is magic. I think 99% of women really probably struggle. And I think that it is a, it's an absolute blessing in my take on your brain that your body and your psyche perceives food as medicine, food as nourishment, food as a positive force Mm -hmm. where a lot of us have been taught or have learned or have self internalized, you know, more of a punishment method. And I think it probably fueled a lot of our eating disorders younger in life. I was, I definitely used to be on the yo-yo diet bandwagon. I tried every diet and I I know that's really what we're going to jump into more today. So I'll kind of just leave it at that. But I think that where people get definitely in the danger zone is that is the fad thing, right? Like, 
we're going to talk about some of these diets that I know and unpack them. So I don't want to get too deep into it, but like I did have a friend recently that did keto, for instance, and he developed what they call the keto flu and he got so sick and I, he had some underlying conditions, but he actually ended up passing away. So like I've heard some of these diets where people think, oh, this is just like, oh, you know, I read it in a magazine or I'll just drink celery juice. Right. Like I saw it on Instagram or that water with lemon and maple syrup and cayenne. Do you remember that? Oh, Oh, my God. That was the thing for a while. But I think it's probably like when people think there's a quick fix, like that's just the kiss of death. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, isn't it true that 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 really does kind of trick your body? And so it holds on to the fats and everything it thinks it's going to lose because it goes into panic mode. And then when you start to either starve yourself or, or you know, deprive yourself, I think, I don't know, maybe Carrie, you could speak to this probably, but yeah. I, that's kind of it, right? Absolutely. But it's so funny, um, Jamie, I want to jump on what you said to Christine, <laughs> because Christine, when you were saying how what your thought process was after hearing some women say, oh, I overdid the cheese and wine. I'm not going to eat. And your thought process was, well, no, like just get back to normal. Or (laughs) I was exactly thinking what you were thinking, Jamie, like if everyone could just have that mindset, we would have a lot less problems. You should just hang out with young girls. Like we could just start there. Have Christine boot camp, healthy body boot camp with young girls. I mean, I do. I do plenty of, you know, I love my French fries. I love, I love the wine, but I really just feel better when I eat properly. And then I, you know, I throw those little treats in here and there, but then I know if I'm not going to eat the next day or starve myself, I'm going to be a cranky mess. And then you're all going to be sorry. So, so that's like, so balanced. Right. And I think like what we're going to talk about today is like all of these fad diets are so imbalanced. Mm -hmm. So I think, I don't know, we'll talk about it and we'll ask you Carrie, but I would imagine that like the fad diets and I really, you know, I was curious about casualties anybody had heard about because Jamie, you know, I know you had your friend who very tragically passed away, which is horrific. I have a girlfriend who was anorexic at the wrong time of her development. And because of that, could never have children like when she was 13 ish, you know, and because of that, all those years later, her body just never developed appropriately. And her doctor told her at the time when she was 13 that she would never be able to have kids because of the damage she had done. So, you know, I think the casualties are sort of crazy, like well beyond like, Christine, I'm with you. If I don't eat, I am, I call it, I mean, like it's a term hangry, like you're so hungry, you're angry. Like that's me. I get like jittery. (laughs) And I also, I can't, I lose my train of thought. Everything just goes off. It's just not good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a great segue though, to talk about, well, actually, sorry, don't we do sweat this first? Can I talk about sweat this? I know you have a good one. Yes, I know you have a good one. I'm so excited because when we got back to New York, so look, I, my family and I were out of New York for four and a half months. I hated it. Most of it. (laughs) It was very stressful. But then when we got back to New York in August, um, I started taking the subway to see a set of clients every day on the Upper East. I live all the way downtown. It's the most efficient way to get around. I mean, you could be stuck in a car on the FDR for two hours if you hit it wrong and then you lose, you know, then you don't make your session. And if I bike up there on city bikes, city bikes are really heavy. So I've since found out because my husband got a regular bike <laughs> to um, or brought one back um, to to bike to work. It's much faster on a regular bike. City bikes are really heavy. I love them. I love them. But I would 
I would be sweaty if I went all the way up to like, you know, 90th and Madison or 80 something and park, you know, and I don't want to show up to clients like that. So I was taking the subway, you know, taking all the precautions, gloves, outer layer of clothes with a hood and a mask, all the things that no one else on the subway is doing. And my first week back, A, there were no people that seemed really mentally with it on the train. Um, So that's, you know, a thing that makes you feel a little unsafe. And no one was wearing masks. And then at the end of that first week, so I go up Monday through Friday, and the end of that first week, somebody was going around person to person, if you were wearing a mask and screaming at you and saying like, oh, you think that you're better than me because you're wearing a mask, and then pretend sneezing and coughing on each person. Oh, my God. And this is, this doesn't just happen like every once in a while. Things like this are happening every day. The Showtime guys are on the subway without masks, sweating, flipping all over the place. Their sweat is falling on you. So like this thing that I took every day of my life, you know, for the last 20 years has become a not safe place for me. I have three kids. That's irresponsible. You know, I can't just like be getting other people's bodily fluids on me every day. (laughs) So my husband, Alex, recommended that I start looking into electric scooters, which I did. And then I tried one of my friends. It was kind of rinky dink. It didn't feel safe. I didn't like it. Um, And then I connected with this company called Fluid Free Ride, Fluid Free Ride. And the owner called me. We had a conversation. She asked me about my needs and she was like, okay, well, I think this Enokim Light 2 is perfect for you because most of the electric scooters don't go very far. So I needed one that could go seven miles up and seven miles down without a recharge because I'm not bringing my outside scooter into my Park Avenue client's apartments and being like, hey, can I charge this while I'm here? Nope, not going to do it. (laughs) It just doesn't feel right. So they sent me one. And well, first of all, I'm a chicken. So like I had to test ride it on my building's roof for like a couple days. (laughs) And then I took like a baby ride. And then I was like, okay, I can do this. (laughs) I went all the way up to the like very Upper East Side from the financial district. And it was, I, I took, you know, the FDR, you can either go Westside Highway or FDR if you're doing like really conservative to be safe. You guys, it's changed my life. This wow. I didn't realize how much the subway was stressing me out. I think that's part of the reason I had full body hives a couple weeks ago. Oh, I was so stressed. I'm so glad it, it so worked though. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you're but, like, great. It's good for the environment. It folds up. You, you can recharge it anywhere in a plug. Like it just anything to make people's lives less stressful right now is the way to go. And if you're in a major city, I highly recommend. And if you're like, cause a lot of people are upset about the subway right now for a lot of reasons. Um, but like the electric scooter, it's amazing. What's so, the website? Um, it's fluidfreeride.com. How fast does it go? I'm just curious. <laughs> 21 miles per hour. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah, it's great. And it has a lock that like fits into the scooter. Like I said, it it comes in pretty colors. Yeah, it comes in all pretty (laughs) colors. It's Eno Kim was the brand that that we decided on and the light too, because it's 30 pounds. So I can actually pick it up. Like some of them are way heavier. But again, the lighter one of my friend that I tried, it didn't feel safe to me. And you felt like every bump, whereas this one has air tires. So there's lots of details to look for. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to DM me on Insta (laughs) or whatever. Um, But yeah, like I... A lot of people are getting really stressed out about getting from point A to point B with COVID. You know, if it's like they don't trust Uber because they don't know what germs are in there Mm. or they don't trust the subway for a whole host of reasons that are very valid right now. 
you know, I just think it's a great way to get around. So that's great. Thank and you. I will say this too, like when George and I started riding, well, he started riding his bike to work every this way pre COVID. Mm-hmm. He started riding his bike to work every day down the West side highway, like bike path. And I started running to work many days. Um, he would ride his bike with my clothes in his backpack on his back and meet me at the end. So I could change into dry clothes. Cause I would run and I'd be sweaty. So we had it down to a science, but just giving myself those four or five miles of outside time on my way to work. Oh my goodness. What a treat that was. So I bet you're enjoying that too. I am the vitamin D. It's so good for immunity and for your mood. It's a hormone and you can only get that like truly, I mean, Carrie, you can speak more to vitamin D than I can obviously, but you really absorb it with your skin in the sun. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Well, really since we're since we're calling on Carrie for everything, should we jump into her topic? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> let's do it. All right, ladies, Atkins, keto, intermittent fasting, wheat belly, the zone, South Beach, paleo, volumetrics, high fiber, raw, Weight Watchers, the list goes on and on and on. Why are fat diets such a thing, and what makes them different from? quote unquote, diets that have stood the test of time, like the Mediterranean diet, veganism, macrobiotic, anti-inflammatory, whole foods, or plant-based. When did we, per our convo with Christine, (laughs) as humans, become so disconnected from our bodies that we need a book or another person to tell us how to eat? And when did we decide that powders and laboratory-created frankenfoods were better for us than what grows in the ground. Here to separate the fact from fiction and the goodies from the not so goodies. We are thrilled to have Carrie here with us. Carrie, enlighten us. Yeah, I'm so excited again. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. And wow, there's so much to unpack with all of this, right? (laughs) I mean, this is like, how long do we have, right? There is so much here, but such an important topic. So I'm so happy to be here with all of you. So where do we start? I mean, where do we start with this? Because I'd like to hear, would you mind taking us through kind of your overarching in a very simple kind of top line way, like what your kind of take is on a well-balanced diet and does it lean towards any of these diets? Do any of them have it right? I'm going to start with, we have a column on an article that we write on nutritionslife.com called Diets Decoded. And I want to start with that because the reason I started this column on the site was because I found myself saying to so many people out there when they asked me about different diets, I would say all real healthy diets are the same. Yeah. And they'd say, what are you talking about? I'm vegan and my, you know, husband's paleo. What do you mean? He's a carnivore and I'm, ha- you know, only eating plants. But when you really look at all real healthy diets, they really all are very similar. And so let's think about it. Let's just even use like veg- being vegan and being paleo as an example. You are having as little packaged processed food as possible, as little added sugar, lots of vegetables, lots of protein, high quality protein, whether it be animal or plant, healthy, high quality fats. Most, again, you could say that for vegan or paleo, right? So you can say that for many, many healthy diets. So I usually say to somebody, if a diet, whether it's an actual diet, like you're going on a diet or a lifestyle is really far off from that, it's probably more of a fad and it's probably not healthy. Now that is a very simple overall way to look at it, 
but it really does. You could pull up, you know, bring up any diet and you can really kind of answer the question, is this fat or is this really more of a healthy lifestyle by thinking of it that way? I love that. I want to like take a step back and just go back in time a little bit to ask you, Carrie, like I'm sure there's studies done on this about like what does make somebody disconnect with one's own body and your ability to sort of feel or hear hunger, satiation signals? Like, do you know specifically like what age that tends to happen? It can happen really young. I mean, it can happen very, very young. I mean, so babies, naturally, one Mm. of the reasons that people promote breastfeeding, one of the many reasons is that children are babies are then naturally stopping eating when they're satisfied and then eating when they're hungry versus a parent saying, you know, finish this bottle, you need the eight ounces, right? So it can happen then, right? It can happen really early. Or we can continue, and by the way, no judgments whether you breastfeed or not, that's not about that, but I'm saying that is one of the benefits is that is when when babies are, again, they're really listening to their body. It is something natural that we do. So So this would be, we sort of, because I think a new trend is intuitive eating and everyone's like, well, I intuitively eat now. So that actually might be a healthy fad that's kind of trending. Absolutely. And I want to actually, there's a lot to unpack too with intuitive eating, but wait, just to finish though, I just want to follow up with one more, with what you asked Heidi, because I think it's really important that, so let's get past, you know, infancy and into childhood. I think where we lose that connection with our body that, you know, again, Christine, you so beautifully have not lost (laughs) where we lose that. She's a unicorn. (laughs) It can come. Exactly. It can come. So it can come, you know, when we're babies, it can come when we're children at any time. And it will, it, it happens from a variety of reasons. It could be, I mean, it could come from food scarcity, you know, on one one end of the spectrum. It could come from a parent saying, finish your plate, finish your plate. You know, you got to get your food in, finish your plate. Could come from that. It could come from food, you know, from fat shaming in a home, from, you know, which is a form of bullying. It can come from environmental factors. I mean, there's so many different aspects of, you know, that can in our in our early years that can affect our disconnection with food and our body. So I think one thing that's really important, regardless of the food you're eating, I always like to when I'm t- working with someone one-on-one or when I'm educating people to work with people one-on-one, I always say it's so important to get that person's diet history and not just the foods they've eaten, but their relationship with food, because you have to kind of peel back the layers there to understand where they are with their connection or disconnection with food. Where is their relationship with food? Because you have to really understand that before you can even get to the, okay, what, you, what should you eat? Mm-hmm. Right. So like Jamie, you know how you mentioned to Christine, keep going back. Christine, you're going to get lots of props here. <laughs> keep going back to that. But Jamie, how like I understood, I was thinking exactly what you were thinking mm-hmm. when Christine was saying that, like many women, it's not natural to think like that about food, right? Because we have been so, you know, affected by so many things in our childhood, growing up in our teen years, the media, that's something else that obviously affects affects how we view food in our relationship with food. And, and also tying it to Megan's question with intuitive eating. I, I, I mean, yeah. I will confess sometimes 
or I think what Carrie was saying, where you have to finish everything on your plate. I am guilty of saying I do not. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my mom saying like, it's a sin. We're Italian. I don't know. Like it's a sin. Finish your whole plate. Like, I don't don't know where that comes from. But even now my husband makes fun of me. Like I will clean my plate and I know I could just pack it up and put it in the fridge and save it for the next day. But what, what back to Megan saying too, then I do feel kind of crappy and full. So, but then also just like, Hey, let's go for a walk to my husband or let's go, you know, for a bike ride if it's early enough or something, I'll do something to make myself feel better. But I think it's, about what Megan was getting at is what do you feel? Like, how do you feel? Are you starving? Then eat. Are you super full? Then maybe move your body or go for a walk or something. You know, don't do something so drastic that's not healthy in between. And Carrie, isn't it also because of what you said, Christine, this is Heidi, it made me think of this. Isn't, I've heard so many times that the human body confuses thirst for hunger. Mm -hmm. Uh So isn't it also because so many of us are dehydrated a lot? Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many different factors that affect I mean, I think we were first sort of we have like the what has affected our overall relationship with food. And then it's like, okay, on a day to day basis, what's actually affecting, you know, how hungry you are, what our food choices are. I mean, it's everything from we know it's cravings, it's mood and your emotions, it's your environment, it's hydration, it's by the way, your sleep you know, can affect it. Your hormones are affected from your sleep, stress levels, your cortisol rays. Are you craving more carbohydrates right now? I mean, so everything, stress, sleep, hydration, you know, Mm -hmm. did you exercise and did that give you a little dose of endorphins and you feel good? So now you're motivated to eat well. All of these things work together to affect our food choices. Mm -hmm. So our history and our relationship with food, as well as our day-to-day environment and lifestyle are going to affect the things we put in our body. Can you explain to us what intuitive eating is? Because I think um, I've spoken about this a lot on my Instagram. This is Jamie, by the way. Uh I finally feel like after a lot of work over the last couple of years, um, I've gotten to a place where, and I don't know about intuitive eating. I haven't read a book on it and I wouldn't be able to tell you if I'm doing it right. But what I do know in my heart is I feel like I eat intuitively for the first time in my life. What I can tell you about the first 15 years of my eating or dieting or whatever it looked like was that I could not trust my own hunger cues at all. I really truly, and I would sit there and I would say, are you really hungry? Yes, I feel really, really hungry, but I really probably wasn't. I ate for emotional security, procrastination, all sorts of other reasons. Um, I finally feel like I'm at a place where I can actually trust my hunger. If I actually feel hungry, I'm probably hungry. But that was after a lot of work and eliminating a lot of foods like white sugars and flowers and all of those things. So can you tell us what intuitive eating means? Absolutely. And I'm glad, I know, Megan, you brought that up before too. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Megan and Jamie, you're asking about this because again, it's a, it's a really it's a great topic right now. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear you saying that you actually can trust your hunger and you can listen to your body and you are eating more intuitively. It clearly sounds like you've developed a much better relationship with food, which is amazing, right? And that's like the goal. I always say I want people to can never have a perfect relationship with food, like any relationship, but the goal is always to get someone to have a really good relationship with food. So intuitive eating, it's a I will say, actually, it's, um, let me just go back. It's two dietitians actually created this years ago. I mean, I think it's like 25 years old that these dietitians, Evelyn Tribbley and I believe Elise Resch, are the ones that really started intuitive eating. And so many people have kind of adopted their own versions of it. 
but they are the dietitians that really started this. And again, many years ago, which really shows you again, it's not a fad because this has been around for a long time. Fads are usually things that really come and go really fast, super quick fixes where other types of plans and things that stay around for a long time are obviously not fad. So it's not a fad. Let's just put it out there. It is not a fad. It is a way of eating that really honors the physical and your physical and mental health, right? It is definitely in line with, or aligned, I should say, with, you know, health at every size, honoring how you're feeling, really listening to your body. And it's really anti-diet and weight cycling and everything else that really goes along with that diet. Like anti-calorie counting, anti-macro counting. So my impression of it from my friends who have sort of adopted this strategy is like, I just, I can, I'm craving a piece of chocolate cake. So I might skip dinner and I'm going to have this piece of chocolate cake because right now what my body and my mind wants is that piece of chocolate cake. Is that sort of the gist of it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the, uh, the concept of it is that when you restrict yourself and you diet, you're not going to end up losing weight. It's going to backfire at some point, even if it works in the beginning, it will eventually backfire. And that diets don't like real, like diet, diet, like a actual, like a real weight loss type of diet. I'm not saying diet lifestyle, but a real diet will not ultimately get you to that goal. Right. But learning to listen to your body and eat intuitively and focus on like what you just said, what you're craving will lead you to a much healthier life mentally and physically. And so that's really a big, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. So what you just said, yes. So I have a lot of different thoughts on it though. So as um, Jamie, you, I know you and Heidi, you've taken my program. So I know you've heard me talk about, you know, that hunger quotient one through 10, you know, listening to your body when you're a six, you're slightly hungry. When you're a four, you're slightly satisfied. That is something that I've always incorporated, you know, for all the years that I've been practicing, I've always incorporated that into my nutrition education with people. And I always say, regardless of what you're eating, whether you're eating that piece of chocolate cake (laughs) that Megan just mentioned, that piece of chocolate cake, or you're eating a big bowl of pasta, if you're truly listening to your body, you will never overconsume to such a great extent. Now, with that said, that's a lot easier said than done. Like Jamie, you were saying that you weren't able to trust your body and listen to it that way for a while. So that is only one aspect of it. There's a lot more education and tapping into your emotions and setting yourself up for success. So you don't have these, you know, you don't get famished. So you don't want to eat the whole, you know, bowl of pasta or have the whole cake, not just the one slice. So there's a lot of components that go along with listening to your body and learning to eat when you're slightly hungry and slightly satisfied. But that's, that's something that I've always coached people on. But I I wanted to say, I think that there are many people, I don't want to say anything negative about intuitive eating. So I want this to come out properly because I think that these two dietitians especially have done a phenomenal job with this. And there are so many people that are finding an a, a huge amount of success with intuitive eating, but I think of intuitive eating more And that's what I was getting at with this HQ thing as more part of what can be um, part of a healthy diet lifestyle where many people do need greater guidelines. So I think that for many people, intuitive eating is not enough structure, um, but I think it's something that has to be incorporated into a healthy lifestyle. So the reason I brought up the HQ part of how I 
educate people is like, it's a simple part of intuitive eating. It's much more complex than that, but it's something learning to be in tune with your body and in tune with your emotions. I've always incorporated into other guidelines. I just want to put it out there that I do think that people don't need to be on a diet, like a diet, weight loss diet. It's always more of a lifestyle, but many people do need more guidelines than just eat what you want. And when you're craving this, eat this. Many people do need more than that. And so, so Carrie, I just want to put that out there. So Carrie, so what you're kind of, or what I'm hearing is maybe structure, like, like are the three meals a day baseline, a nice guideline to say, you know, when you do wake up, you kind of want to start with something because that is a good way to feed your body, isn't it? If you skip a breakfast, I've always heard that that's just not the great, the best way to get your engine going, really. Yeah. So that's a, it's a great point. I mean, I think it still really comes down to the individual, right? Mm-hmm. So you still want to start with, yeah, three meals. I, I'm a I'm a big advocate of having at least one snack a day. I think for most people, it helps them eat less at their next meal, whether it be lunch or dinner. I do think like generally for most people, it's one. Some people, it's two. Some people, it's even three. But I do think most people um, benefit from a snack a day. So let's say three snacks, one meal for most people. But for some people, skipping breakfast might actually work better for them. I'm a big breakfast fan. I'd say again for most people, and you know, there's evidence actually when it comes to breakfast on both sides okay. that breakfast works well, against you. Because intermittent fasting is such a huge trend or fad right now, too. Exactly, exactly, and that's and what I always say to people when it comes to intermittent fasting is if you are somebody that needs breakfast, I'm a huge breakfast person. I wake up early. I need breakfast, and I will say for most of my clients out there, I have seen breakfast work for them versus skipping breakfast. I think usually ends up working against them. But there are some people out there that absolutely have no hunger in the morning, just no desire. They've never been breakfast people and intermittent fasting might work for them. And they have their first meal at noon and feel great. So it really is an individual thing. Again, overall, I would say I don't recommend that to most people, but that's not to say that there isn't somebody that that would work for. But most people do need, or many people, I should say, need more guidelines than what intuitive eating um, does for, for other people. Um, so this is Heidi. I just want to say really quickly that if you Google intermittent fasting video on YouTube, it's an hour long tutorial from those nutritionists about what it is. So if anyone wants more information, that's a good place to go. <laughs> Intu- did you, do you mean intuitive eating or yeah, intermittent intuitive fasting? Eating. Oh, sorry. Intuitive eating. Intuitive yeah, eating. Okay. Did I say intermittent fasting? You said yeah. intermittent no, fasting, okay. but yeah, intuitive eating. It, and that's true. I think a lot of people just say, I'm just going to eat intuitively. And that means if I want the chocolate cake, then my body's saying I want it. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, all of our bodies say that we want chocolate cake, obviously, <laughs> right. like all the time. But what's but underneath what, that? But, right. And so I so, almost think like that's pretty advanced. Like you have to yes. be pristine, confident yes. and pristine, yes. healthy to yes. be like, and now I intuitively eat. Tuned like, in. Yes. You have to be I, tuned in. And and that is, Megan, that's a really amazing point. And that's sort of, I guess, what I was trying to say with, I think many, you want to incorporate the concept of it and you want to ultimately get there. But for many people, they still need some guidelines around around that. To so get that to would that almost place. be like the holy grail of healthy body image. Like if I watch my three kids, like they stop eating when they're full, like they know when they want chicken nuggets and they know when they like my daughter will be like i'm just craving salad right now mom like i felt like my lunch was a little junky i'm like let's cut up some carrots like kids do that right right they just like they know what they want they stop when they're like so it's almost like returning to that childlike state 
Right. And again, that's where it's sort of like going into someone's diet history and peeling back those layers and figuring out like what where did you lose that? And, and you know, and, and how can we get that back? And it takes a while. It's not something it's I always say, like when it comes to like listening to your body and understanding your emotions with food and your relationship with food, it's not the type of thing like going from white bread to uh, sprouted grain. Like it's not an easy swap like that. It just doesn't happen overnight. You just don't say I'm going to eat when I'm slightly hungry and stop eating when I'm slightly satisfied. It just doesn't happen overnight. It takes work. It takes some time. Um, But it I mean, but it can be done. Right. So, Carrie, can I can I ask a big fat question? Yeah. So I'm turning 45 this month. I struggled with an eating disorder 20 years ago, hospitalized all the things. I've been recovered and healthy for 20 years. I think the tricky part is that what works changes. Mm -hmm. And so I've done nothing different. I move the same. I eat the same, except my body doesn't respond the same. So is that is this is there truth to that? Every five to seven years, you have to do some kind of a diet, wake up, shake up to to kind of get your body back in sync. Yeah. Well, your body is also, it's not, you know, I think sometimes we think like, okay, when we're this age, we get, you know, we start menstruating and then we're this age and we're really fertile. And then we're this age and we're perimenopause. And then it's, it's not like these like, you know, steps of a ladder. It's much more fluid than that. And our bodies are constantly changing and our hormones are changing for a variety of reasons, not just aging. Right. I mean, there can be other factors in life that affect our hormones. So what you eat definitely needs to shift at different times. And so what works for one person might not work for another. And what works for that one person at one time might not work for that same person five years later. So to answer your question, yes, you might need to shift. And it might be because you're hormonally different. It might be because your exercise is different. It might be because um, you've got your body's even gotten used to what you've been doing and your body is saying, shake it up, shake it up. I need a, I need some variety here. I mean, it could be lots of different reasons. It could be because you've been on a certain medication that affected your weight. I mean, there's so many different factors that can affect why you might need to change your diet at a certain time. But that is like a really big topic, I would say, that people say to me, especially around that, around, um, that age. Yeah. 40, 45. Halfway to 90 friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got you beat. I'm 47. So God, well, I want to look as good as you when I'm 47. I have a piggyback. This is Heidi. I have a piggyback question to Megan's question. Um, because both Megan and I are struggling with being diagnosed with autoimmune issues right now. We both have high ANA levels. So could that be affecting Megan's? And also, Can you also speak a little, Carrie, please, to the difference between like a diet for weight loss versus a diet for health conditions like autoimmune, anti-inflammatory, et cetera? And I'm celiac too. Okay. So first of all, those things could absolutely be affecting your weight, uh, whether weight going up, weight going down. I mean, it, it can affect your weight in many different ways, right? So, but for many people also, just again, going back to this age, like they start, they say to me all the time, you know, oh, I was always ate this way. I have to shift what I'm eating. I'm like, yeah, but you have to do a lot of things differently, right? Like we're changing. We're different. We've evolved. You're older. (laughs) I mean, things change. That doesn't mean you can't stay in great shape, but like you might have to change things. So, but to answer your question, Heidi, about, you know, health, uh, diet for health and diet for weight, I always tell people, don't think diet for weight loss, think diet for health and a byproduct will be weight loss. But if you have a diet, like a diet, weight loss diet, I don't mean a diet, everybody has a diet. Mm -hmm. But if you go on a diet to lose weight, you 
end up restricting yourself, often messing up your metabolism, often losing weight in an unhealthy way, and then you end up gaining back more weight. And then you are you get affected, you know, mentally by that. And that sets you up into a yo-yo cycle, which we know yo-yo dieting puts you at risk for all kinds of things of, I mean, from heart disease to high blood pressure. So it sets up a lot of unhealthy conditions um, when you diet just for weight loss often, which is actually why, you know, intuitive, going back to intuitive eating for a second, it's actually why, you know, intuitive eating is, is intuitive. That's why they promote that is that restrictive dieting doesn't get you to that end goal, weight or health. Anyway, so, but again, like I said, I think I'm somewhere more in between where you can have guidelines and learn about your body. So, but I think when you focus on, and you know, I always talk about eating empowered, where you think about what you can eat and you think about, you know, what you can give your body and how food is fueling you. And it's like, I'm, you know, this food is do it is working for me. It's protecting my brain and it's, you know, reducing inflammation and it's good for my skin. Like when you think positive about food and what the food, how the food is working for you, I would say that the byproduct might be weight loss, but don't focus on the weight loss. Same thing with exercise. I always think like exercise for the exercise benefits. There's so many from endorphins to increased muscle. I mean, there's so many, we know there's so many benefits. Don't exercise to like, Ooh, burn off that chocolate cake. Exercise for the benefits, the same thing with food. Exercise for the health benefits and weight will often follow. So where do powders tie into that and like these like Franken foods that have been Ooh. invented in laboratories? <laughs> so I would say uh, most, th- most powders are, well, first of all, let's just say that if you're thinking about adding powders to your diet, you're in a pretty privileged space, right? Totally. If you're thinking about, if you're not worried about how you're putting vegetables on your plate, or you can have as many vegetables as you want, and you can get as much high quality protein as you want, and you want to add and supplement your diet with a powder, you know, some, whether, whatever it might be, a green powder or, a, you know, a mushroom powder, whatever it might be. If you're doing that, you're, you're in a really good position, right? As far as, as far as, uh, wellness privilege goes. I just well, want to put- I do think that some people steer towards them because they don't have access to those things or they feel like they don't have time to make a good protein or they'll yeah. substitute a greens powder because they don't want to buy the organic vegetables, you know. Yes, no. Great point. That is true too. I think people do use them for other ways as well. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that many of these sort of uh, many of these things are 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 really kind of bonus is what mm-hmm. I, is what I'm saying. But yeah. If you can use them, that's a, but that's a great point we just brought up, like a green powder. I use a green powder often and I use that when I want to get in a green juice, right? But I don't have, I don't want to clean the juicer. I'm like, I'm not cleaning that juicer today. I have too many. We're, uh, you know, work from home, homeschooling, too many dishes. I don't want to clean that juicer. So I might do that because I want to get in an extra big dose of greens. But I look at that as like, that's like, that's a real privilege to be able to even do that, right? So but does it give you the same benefits? Because we've also heard that like, like, uh-uh, like you have to have those eight cups of greens and like the powders won't cut it. So what do you think about that? Well, so I say that's, that's total uh, bonus. Like that would be bonus. That would be because I'm not taking the time to make a green juice or I don't have time to make a great big green salad. So I'm going to do that instead. But that's what I'm saying is that's bonus. You get to be the able fiber to- or you do you just get the nutrients from the powder? 
So if you're having like a green powder, let's say, just sticking on that example, you'll get vitamins and minerals, but the food is always going to be better and you're not going to get the fiber unless there's added fiber powder in it, but you don't need that. I mean, you should get it from food, right? And I, by the way, when I say I'm having a green powder like that, that would be, I'm just giving an example of something that I have in my kitchen. I'm not using it daily. I'm not using it instead of getting in a big green salad, instead of getting vegetables, you know, green vegetables. I always recommend people to get green vegetables at least a couple times a day. I'm just saying like there is a time and a place for some of them. This just makes me want to peep your diet. Like, I just want to know what you eat all day so I can eat the same thing and look like you when I'm 47. Oh my God. You're so funny. Well, okay. I will, I'll record it for you tomorrow. I'll do a little video, a little vlog for you. But also what's good for me might not be good for you. Right. But I wanted to put that out there about the powder because I'm saying like, I'm using it as a once in a while, or maybe a few times a week to supplement the diet, but it's not instead of real food. Mm -hmm. And many of these powders are not necessary. What you need first is to get in a variety of vegetables, a variety of healthy, high quality fats, a variety of high quality protein, plant and animal, if you choose to eat animal as well. So that's first and foremost, Mm -hmm. absolutely First and foremost, if you want to supplement with a, you know, a powder, let's say sticking with the greens example again, because you didn't have time to get it in that day or because you're, you know, you're working two jobs and it's a great, fast, easy way to get it in like that too, that can be bonus, but it shouldn't necessarily take the place. And many of these other powders, and I think diets that focus diet plans, this is another way to spot a trend and if, or if a fad, I should say, if you have to have powders, in a, in a plan, then that's going to go into that. When we do, when I was talking about diets decoded, that would go into the, it's probably not a healthy diet. If you have to have it as part of it, if you're using it to supplement in a, in a, you know, you're in a pinch or that type of a thing. Great. But it shouldn't be the main component of a plan. And to your point, a lot of people can get a lot of, especially younger girls, they see these fad diets and these fad powders and ways of losing weight, they start to go overboard with the supplements and the powders and and no real food at all. So it's going, you know, to the other extreme where that can get really dangerous. You don't, I mean, I don't know what happens when your body gets too much A, B, C, and D and all those things, but that might be really dangerous, right? Oh no, you can absolutely overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially if you're having, if you're having products, you know, all day long, you're having a bar and then you're having a, a powder and then you're having another protein powder and then you're having another bar and then you're having another something. And they all have, you know, X percentage more of the vitamin A that you need or other fat soluble vitamins. You can get too much and you can also get just too much of the anything that's processed. You're going to it's it's still processed food. You're still mm-hmm. getting whatever added chemicals. I mean, it, so you absolutely can go overboard there for sure. I want to talk about how you've seen kind of like diet culture change. You're such a kind of legend in this space and you've been in it such a long time and had such an amazing kind of reputation for bringing information to people. And I I want to just, I'm going to call a spade a spade here and speak bluntly because that's what I always do. So (laughs) I think right now there is a lot of blowback to diet culture in general, a lot of it rightfully so, and we're glad to see a lot of it. Now, on the same token, what I'm seeing a lot of is so much kind of hate towards some of the dangers of diet culture and so much love for the body positivity movement, which, of course, I support. I am here for it. I'm all about it. However, 
I also don't think there needs to be a disdain for nutritionally sound advice and information, right? And there's still a place for it. I don't have, I have dozens of followers reaching out to me every week and they are not coming to, to me with saying, I just wish I could love myself more. They are coming to me saying, I need help. I have no motivation. I can't stick to a diet. I don't know what to do. They're stuck in the same cycles we were stuck in, in the eighties, in the nineties. Like we have been stuck in these cycles for years. They can't stop eating. They can't eat the right foods. They don't know what to do and they feel overwhelmed. So can you kind of unpack that? Like, where are we with diet culture? Is it okay to call it diet culture? Is there something more PC? Like help us. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I love you for bringing up this topic. This is so, so important. And I think it actually, it really goes along with what we were talking about with a little bit with intuitive eating and then having some, some people needing some guidelines, you know, and needing a little more than just learning to listen to their body. So I love that you're bringing up this topic. And I actually wrote something on my site. I don't know, maybe it was about a year ago, but it was the title of the article. I want to get it exactly right was, can you, can you be body positive and still want to lose weight? And the reason I, I wanted to write about that was because I feel probably, I mean, I think you're, you're bringing this up, like there's this whole like anti-diet culture going on. And I don't, is there a more PC word? I don't know. I mean, I think let's worry about fixing it. Let's call it whatever, <laughs> right? Whatever. There's this, there's this anti, you know, diet thing going on. And then there's this, you know, there's the body love movement, which I'm totally with you, Jamie. I am here for it. I want everyone to love their bodies. I want everyone to feel good in their body. And the truth is, if you feel good in your body to begin with, you will, if you want to lose weight, you'll have more success by starting at a place of feeling good about yourself, right? When you don't feel good about yourself and you're stressed and your cortisol levels are high, I mean, and you're not as motivated to eat well and your hormones, like I just said, cortisol is in a place where you're, it's going to work against you. I mean, so there's, you're happier, right? And there's so many reasons. I want everyone to love their body. And and like I talked to, you know, like I was just mentioning, eating empowered is all about eating from a place of positivity and feeling good about yourself. So I am with you. I am here for that. However, on the other side, on the other side, you know, I guess that's sort of, I sort of fall like in the middle of the diet and then the, you know, body love movement. I'm, I'm somewhere, I don't even want to say the middle because then it sounds like, yeah, right in the middle. I'm, I'm a combination. Maybe. <laughs> when it's right, when somebody wants to lose weight, they can want to lose weight and love their body at the same time. And I always say to people, if you want to lose weight, my goal is to get you to lose weight and develop a better relationship with food, not lose weight at the detriment to your relationship with food, because that is no good. I would never want something like, don't ruin your relationship with food to lose weight. Absolutely no. You can though lose weight or maintain your weight at the same time you develop a better relationship with food and a better relationship with your body. And that is super important. And I never want someone to lose weight if it's going to be um, from a place of, hating their body and hating themselves and, and, you know, and, and ruining their relationship with food. You I'm have- that person right now because I like me. I'm body confident. I like food. Food and I are friends, <laughs> but I'm turning 45 halfway to 90 and I gained nine pounds. Like in my, in my, like I had my checkup and the doctor's like, whoa, you've weighed the same thing since you were 24. Who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Like even, even throughout quarantine, I eat the right. same, I move the same. My body is just like, 
you know, now, now we gain nine pounds and it's not like it changes that like, please. I mean, I like everything about me. I mean, why not? I love that. But I, but I'm curious about this experiment that's happening. I'm like, but I don't get it. What do At I least do? you're welcoming it, though. At least yeah. you're embracing the but change. That, I said that's this such to, a good point. Yeah. I said this to Jamie the other day. I think I'm aging out of all vanity. And I'm not sure what that's going to mean when I'm, like, 90. But, like, the older I get, the more confident I get. I'm, like, completely aging out of my vanity. Like, I didn't shower today. And I put on this hat for my friends here. Like, I, like I'm <laughs> aging out of vanity. But it's this moment of, like, I like me. I'm cool with food no issues, but holy crap, what is going on? That's healthy. You're healthy. (laughs) But that's, that's, that's exactly, you know, I think that's such a good, healthy way to be because one, you're like, I like me, I'm good with me, but I gain weight and I might want to lose that weight. And there's also, you might want to lose it. I would also say it could be for whether it's for vanity or whether it's for health, Right or there money savings, I don't want to buy new pants. Uh, <laughs> yoga pants, but it could be for but it could be for either either reason, right? You could be body positive and like your body and feel good about yourself and still want to lose weight, whether it be because you don't want to gain another ten pounds. And not, I'm not even speaking to you directly, Megan. I'm saying okay. anybody out there. Because there was nine care. Don't get <laughs> no, no, that's why I'm saying that. I heard that. It wasn't rounding up and it wasn't directed at you. I was saying for anybody out there that let's say has gained 10 pounds, they might want to lose 10 pounds. Like they're like, I love myself. I feel good. I'm great. I'm even great to buy some new pants, but I don't want to gain another 10 pounds and, you know, and, and be at risk when I'm 60 and then 70 for, you know, for certain diseases. So they might want to like get a hold of it. And it could be for that reason, or it could be for vanity. Like, that's okay. If you want flat abs, like, I don't think people should feel like, I, I know people that almost feel bad saying yeah. like, oh, I want flat abs. Cause they're like, I know I'm supposed to love my body. Right. And I know, you know, and it's like, you don't, you can feel good about yourself and you can love your body and you can want abs or, yeah. you, can want to, or you can want to lower your cholesterol, you know, like yeah, or lose you. weight to lower your cholesterol, whatever it might be. So yeah. it doesn't really have to be one or the other. And I think like so many things in this world, like we're seeing right now in a major way, which we won't get into politics, but it's like, there's this like big, like it's just this polarization and like this dichotomy and this, like, it doesn't have to be like that. Amen. That is exactly where we need to wrap because we couldn't agree more. And like, man, if it could just all be that easy, like, can't we all just get along? Let's just keep it moving. Like we let's just land in the middle. Like Christine, we'll just like stay balanced and happy and like skip down the road. So and love ourselves and love each other. Love it. We're going to do our last, our last two little things, but I just want to thank you, Carrie. And also tell everybody to check out the nutritious life and nutritious life studio, because it was an awesome certification. I know Heidi loved it. George loved. and I loved doing it. And we're, we're proud to have that little badge, you know, on our website and just awesome. as a part of our life. So oh, thank I you love for you guys. That. I could talk to you forever. We love yeah. you. I think we're going to have to have you back. We're not done yet. Obviously. Yeah, totally. So let me do, we always do three quick questions and we always like to hear our guests answer. Sometimes they surprise us. Okay. Quick lightning round. Number one, are you a morning or evening workout person? Oh, I'm morning everything. Everything. Morning. I'm like a, like early, early morning. Me too. Uh, what is your favorite workout? My favorite workout would either be 
an amazing hike or a great paddleboard, which I don't get to do on a daily basis in New York City, but that's like my dream workout. And I always say working out outside with my kids. So like a bike ride on a vacation or a hike with my kids on a vacation. That is like to me at my absolute most happy place in the world. Oh, I love that. Uh, and then final question, coffee, tea, or matcha? All of it. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. I mean, I have my coffee in the morning. I have some green tea or sometimes matcha, just like straight up matcha um, or a matcha latte. Um, and then I will have uh, herbal tea, chamomile or peppermint after dinner. That's, that's pretty that's much my routine. Fa- that's our first person who said all of the above. Totally. So balanced. I was going to say balanced. <laughs> all right. All right. Ladies, I, like I, last I like it all. I, I've also never met a food I don't like, I don't think. Very, very <laughs> food I don't like. Anyway, that's for Amazing. another conversation. Our very, very last thing, Megan. Karma Megan just says it's so great, but I am the yogi. So I will explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing guests, you. What is one actionable item that our listeners could do for a short period of time where they would see a giant result? So small action, large yield. So, oh, wow. I have two I want to say based on this this conversation today. So the two things I'm thinking about based on the conversation we had today would be one, tap into, again, this isn't something you learn overnight, but tap into your HQ Eating when you're slightly hungry, don't get too hung- don't get too hungry. Um, like don't wait to get too hungry, and stop eating when you're slightly satisfied. Even if there's leftovers, package them up. You don't have to waste them. Stop eating when you're slightly satisfied. Just try to tune into that a little bit more than maybe you have been. And then at the same time, focus on whole real food. So get rid of some of the maybe the packaged processed foods that's lying around your house, and really try to have like a week of as if you can like go a week with not one thing out of a package. And if you can learn to listen to your body and marry that with whole real foods, like those two things together are hugely powerful. Simple, pragmatic, good (laughs) advice. I love that. Well, thank you again for being here with us. I'm sure we'll have a zillion more questions for you. And we do want to have you back because you are, you are the best, my dear. Oh, I love you guys. This was so fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for joining us. And thank you everyone at home for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at off the gram podcast. We'll see you next time. Yay! Yay. That was so fun. Yay. That was-